0: Hello, and welcome to the Ugly Girl Podcast. I am your host, Joy. Please make sure to listen right here on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, CastBox, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and Radio Public. I invite all listeners to take a journey with me, so let's get into it. This is part three of peeling back the layers. Like an onion, sometimes you may shed a tear. So make sure you have your tissues ready. Now, as I stated in my first episode of Wife of the Girl, I'm just making another disclaimer that I'm not here to be political or religious. Do I know enough about both of those to hold a decent debate in terms of topics? Sure. However, that is not my aim so again, I am not here to be political or religious. So I left you in fourth grade and my encounter with Amanda. As with most years they seem to fly by and fifth grade, I really only remember my fifth grade science teacher Miss Green and my fifth grade English teacher Miss Thompson. And Miss Green was a short little lady, round in shape, and she had wispy black and gray hair, salt and pepper now, as we call it. And she would have us do something very interesting as students. She would have us to write from end to end on a line of notebook paper and to ignore our margins. And so I would, think that her and Miss Thompson, our English teacher, would have a few debates about this, given that you should indent and you should stay within your margins. However, Miss Green saw it as a science class and that English really did not matter in terms of logistics and writing papers. Now, Miss Thompson, who I had in third grade for math, seemed to come back with a vengeance to teach the fifth grade English class. And to be quite honest, I felt like that woman had it out for me. You know, just some of those teachers where you really do not get along with them. So it makes it hard, especially as a child growing up in the 90s, um, going to school, and us not really talking back to adults. You know, the Generation X, we were seen and not heard and things of that nature. So sidebar, if I didn't mention it before, but many years later, I bumped into Miss Thompson, my old English teacher, in the psych building located on the University of Memphis campus where I was going to college. And she had left teaching, she said, and she was studying to become a psychologist. And in my mind, quite frankly, I was like, Why you nearly ruined my elementary school years. So finally to sixth grade, um, the final frontier grade school. And I'm sure that, um, you know, once you think you're getting out of one situation, you're hopping into another, right? So you have all these graduations in your life. You have kindergarten graduation, you have elementary school graduation, you have a high school graduation, and then for some of us lucky enough to go, we get to go to college and have college graduations, and that can entail your master's, your doctorate, and all those things. So back to sixth grade, where during this time, this joyous time, really, of leaving one grade and going into junior high and high school, we had discovered that my mother was not well, and that her uh, her kidneys basically were going into failure, and we didn't know all the logistics or the details yet, however, we just knew that my mother had left school with very high blood pressure, and her school actually because my mother was a school teacher in high school were high school students, and so she had a very amazing career. And during this time, she experienced some very, I think she said she got dizzy and things of that nature. Luckily for her, there was a full nurse's station right next to the daycare that she ran within the high school that she taught in as a high school teacher. And there was a full nurse's station. And so they immediately sent my mother to the hospital. So It was very scary to find this out, and I found out through my father, right, because I'm in sixth grade, my sister is ninth grade, and we don't really know what's going on. So, I remember sitting on my bed, and I had pulled my little TV cart up to my bed, because it was actually across the room next to that dresser i described, and... It was a gold star TV. So, you know, back in those days, the TV had the two knobs and the antenna. And I was sitting there or laying down. I was on my bed and I was engrossed in whatever television show I was watching at the time. And I do remember my father coming in and saying, pretty, I have something to talk to you about. So my dad always called me pretty. That was his nickname for me. Ironically, this is called the Ugly Girl Podcast. And so... We sat on the bed, and my dad said, Well, I have to tell you something about your mom. And so my dad went into the best way he knew how, as a parent, to describe her illness. And it felt like I was preparing for the worst news possible, right? That mommy's not okay. And as my dad was explaining things to me, The tears just started to fall because I immediately felt as if something bad had happened, like my mother was no longer with us. She was just in the hospital. My father went on to explain the best way he knew how, what the situation was with her. And as the tears were coming down, he put his arm around me. I leaned into him. I was crying, and he just said, it's going to be OK. So mommy's OK. She's still here with us today, and she's fine. But as a child, you you know, parents, they still try to protect you, right? So I overheard my mother having a phone conversation um, and eavesdropping. And she was telling someone that her blood pressure had gotten so high that she should have stroked out. Well, thank God that didn't happen. And so it kind of brings me to today where women of all races, of all creeds and backgrounds, we are put in a position where we have to be on all time, especially mothers, right? They don't really get a say in what breaks that come about for them, right? So you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a teacher, you're a sibling. My mother was four of 10, so she was one of the older siblings. And so she's always had the responsibility of helping, grooming, nurturing, because she grew up in the South, and that's just how it was then, and so I feel like women today, we still don't get a break, right? We don't get a pause in our lives to just really breathe, and I feel like, you know, if you're a mom, you're always going to be a mom, and um you know, when do you get a, a break? And I, I'm not saying that dads don't do their part because clearly throughout this podcast, you've heard me speak fondly about my dad. And I feel like dads kind of get a hard pass because they're like the cool people in the, in the family. And, you know, they take you to, my dad would take us to the Miss Out Fair and he would take us to hang out with our friends and he would be the fun chaperone on the field trips, and he taught me and my sister how to skate by hanging onto the back of his jeans as he skated around the circle on the wood floor. And moms have to be like this disciplinary type, right? Someone who's in charge with her co-partner or her co-pilot, which is her husband, and they... It's kind of like moms kind of come behind the scenes and make sure that everything is okay and almost damn, damn near perfect um, so that it seems seamless, right? It seems like it's no effort given into how they produce and make things kind of happen for us children. And so I just wanted to share that part with you, but this is really about me and this is about the sixth grade. This is about me transitioning, you know, all of these fades to black moments in my life and being able to um, go from, you know, sixth grade and how fun that was in those last few months of sixth grade where we had banquets and dinners and we had a graduation and my mother had taken me shopping and she had allowed me to pick out what dress I wanted to wear. And I had picked out a navy blue dress that was just above the ankle. I'm sorry, just above the knee. Sorry. (laughs) Just above the knee and a little bit off the shoulder, not the ankle. Jesus Christ. I wasn't that, we weren't that religious. But just above the knee, a little bit off the shoulder. It was navy blue. It had these beautiful white and yellow flowers on them. Prints and um i had white heels my first pair so a white pair of those pumps kitten heels as we call them now and i was so excited i couldn't wait to try these shoes on and walk around in them and feel like a teenager right a preteen now they say tween but back then we would just say preteens and um I remember when my parents weren't home and it was just me and my sister. I would go and I would get that box with those white shoes in them and I would pull them out and I would practice walking in the garage with the garage door closed, of course in the daytime. I would practice walking around on concrete in those heels. and it felt great. It felt liberating, but also heels still hurt. So if you ever see me, if you know me, you will not probably see me wearing a pair of heels because I know how bad they hurt. And I know now as a grown woman that they're really not good for your back. So (laughs) there I was in these white heels practicing my walk, practicing how I would strut down that uh, sixth grade graduation aisle. And so, you know, you have all these great festivities and, during that time, we also were able to go to a place called Liberty Land. Now, Liberty Land is was an amusement park in Memphis, Tennessee that no longer exists. And they had a roller coaster called the Revolution. And so this is where I kind of came into my first bout peer pressure. We were out. We were having a good time. We were having so much fun. And all my friends were like, let's get on the Revolution. And I was like... I took a deep breath and I followed the crowd. Hence, you should never follow the crowd. So we went on this revolution. It was great. Um, I think that's where I had my first thought, was like real peer pressure, doing something that was fairly or seemingly dangerous. And so I went through, you know, all of our, uh, the formalities, right? The, the Dinners, the banquets, the trips, the final frontier graduation, going into junior high school and um, transitioning and reestablishing my tribe because some of my friends that were at elementary school were not going to the high school, junior high school that I was going to. And so it was new faces. New places. I was just excited that I would be going to school with my sister. But little did I know in my mind, that is where I would kind of falter because my parents enrolled me. Like I said, I was super geeked about being able to go to school with my sister, even though she was in the high school part. And my sister was very talented. She still is. I'm sure she can still bang out a tune or two on the piano. But she could play the piano. She could play the clarinet. She could play the bass clarinet. She was exploring drums. She was in band. And she was actually really good. And so my parents had enrolled me and signed me up for classes. And I'm sure that because my sister was so talented, here's the sibling rivalry. My sister was so talented, they probably felt like some of that would trickle off down to me. Well, that was not to be so. I really struggled um, internally with, you know, this self-hatred of self when I got there because I realized that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be in terms of school, right? So I had a few friends from Brownsville Road that transitioned over to Craigmont Junior High School. So I stayed close with them. And then um, I was still in a fog. I was still trying to compare myself with my sister who was super smart. She was the honors clue, student band, all these things. And then I was trying to compete with what I felt like was a definition of beauty from White girls in the classroom, black girls with long hair, perfect teeth, things of that nature. I mean, I have buck teeth and I have to wear braces. Did I wear braces? Yes. Did I wear my retainer? Yes. Did I keep doing it? No. Hence, once again, if you see me, you're going to see a gap in my tooth. Why? Because I didn't wear my retainer after my poor parents spent all their money on that. Um, so, sorry to them for that, not wearing my retainer. So, I went from... Just learning myself, learning about myself, wanting to be accepted, not feeling accepted, going into this ugly, dark space and not really knowing how to control that. Not reaching out, I guess, to my mom or my dad for help. And they did everything they could possibly do from extra piano lessons if I needed them, or like I said, braces if I needed them, or whatever they felt like. I felt like would make me pretty. They had not been abusive. They had not been bad parents or anything like that. Most people like to talk about these terrible childhoods. I don't think you have to have a terrible childhood to, to deal with depression and sadness and not wanting to be here. So after, I would say after about, Couple like my first two years, seventh grade, eighth grade, I was in a state of panic. I felt like I was not making headway with friends, with grades, with all of these things that kind of define us as people at the times what we know not to be true now. However, I did not want to be here anymore. So I I me mean, who I am, decided, you know, what's the best way to not be here? And so I had taken a bottle of ibuprofen or something, thinking that was going to be it. And my mother, how sweet she is, she, I swear this lady has the intuition of the second coming Jesus. This lady knows so much about me. It's unreal. And that's because, I would tell anybody, she was very in tune as a mother. She knew things that I till this day, I don't know all things she knew, but I'm damn sure she knew a lot and more than me. So my mother said, What's wrong? I told her what I had done. I don't think I explained why I did that. And she took me to the emergency room. And so I think they gave me something to throw it up or something that was settle my stomach. I hadn't done a lot of damage, but there I was in the hospital bed. I, so, somehow I got a shot in my hip for something. I honestly can't recall what it was. Maybe it was this particular incident, but there was my mother. I was in a hospital gown. I was laid out on this bed. There was my mother right beside me, and she's always been, even to this day, whether she's near or far. I know she's here with me. Um, and she's still alive, so she's not deceased, but she's still alive and she was there. As most moms would be very concerned, armed with a thousand prayers, it seemed like, armed with all of this, you know, every all this strength that God had given her to see her child through. And, you know, in my family, we never really talked about things. The things happened, they kinda happened and they weren't to be Discussed again. It's kind of like committing the ultimate sin, right? Like you do something and you say, God, take this, throw it to the bottom of the ocean, because if it never existed, right? That's where our sins go, that's where some of the stories go. That's where some of our memories would like to go. And so as I get ready to wind down on this particular podcast of peeling back the layers. I want to close with a topic that actually is affecting us right now in this atmosphere, which is um, Roe v. Wade and abortion. And I really, really struggled with coming to terms with wanting to discuss this. So I'm not going to go into deep detail, even though I remember mine quite vividly. I won't go into detail. However, I will say I struggled with this topic until just the other day when I ran into women. I just happened to be paying my utility bill. And the lady, I said, well, I'm really struggling with this topic. And so it's like she knew what I was going to say. She said, oh, I had to. I said, wow, that must have been refreshing to just let that off your chest. The same day, I ended up in a diner picking up some dinner. And me and this other lady were having a conversation. And she said, oh, I had mine at 16. And I said, oh, I had mine at 15. And so I think that I really struggle with it because, you know, we don't want to reveal these ugly truths about ourselves, right? They're painful. They're painful memories. They're something that we choose that we really don't want to have a conversation about because people are so judgmental. And all of the, you know, the backlash and ridicule you would get, you know, unless you had an amazing platform like a Gabrielle Union or Oprah where they have if you followed them, if you listen to them, if you've read, you know, they've taken time to really share their stories of abuse, neglect, um, at the hands of other people, um, in terms of rape and things of that nature, which takes me back into this topic of abortion, because I don't under I don't think that people understand that it's not a luxury. It's not something that anybody wants to do. It's more like you have to do it. When you're as young as I was, you didn't have a choice, right? Because I lived with my parents. I wasn't working a real job. I didn't get to call shots in my life until I was probably 18, 19 years old. Um, But I think that more women than you know actually go through this and feel some type of shame. And I want to take time to say, look, I'm sharing this because this is part of my life. I'm sharing this because I feel like maybe there's someone out there listening that's, you know, you're dealing with a lot of guilt and shame and you have to let that go. Don't worry about what someone else thinks. They're not paying your bills. They should mind their business. And so I think that Abortion does change the trajectory of a lot of women's lives. I mean, you're just you're not in there by yourself. Some people are by themselves. Some people are with their worried mothers. Some people are with their husbands. Some people are with their boyfriends when they go to these places. Some people are dressed up in suits, you know, women, you know, power suits, you know, having to make such a, well. Uh, having to make such a huge decision that's going to weigh down on them for the rest of their lives. They may be trying to climb the corporate ladder to break that class ceiling. They may be in college and it's just not the right time. They may have been molested or raped or anything like that. And I think that people are so quick to pass judgment on people who have experienced this or have had to go through that process, that people don't take time to think about the logistics of raising a child. It's a mother in their right mind. You have enough money to raise this child. I mean, from what I know, you don't even, the insurance doesn't even cover your birth because your child doesn't even have a social security number. So you're being clocked intact before you even get your first steps in. And I think that women all over and the women that I just bumped into and just say, you know, I'm really struggling with this particular topic. And the fact that they were able to just reveal to me in that moment that they had also done these, done this. You know, it, it, I could see a weight lift off of them and they felt like, okay, I told someone I don't know, but I feel good about that. And so, you know, I just want to say it's no luxury. Um, there are no luxury accommodations. It's a weird, worked gray area. Right. So when we speak about these ugly truths, when we speak about these social matters that I'm going to get deeper into, I don't think that people realize that it's some things are very hard decisions, but sometimes they have to be made. And it's hard, and I don't think that people should put a judgment or shame on that. Now, for everyone out there that has a picket sign. Go for what you know and do your protesting. However, I feel like unless you're in this person's home, in this person's life, personally, unless you have something to gain from this, which you do not, let me be clear, you don't have anything to gain from it. I don't think that that should be a topic of discussion. I think that it definitely should be a law across the board so that women feel safe. Some women, their bodies can't carry the baby. They need other type of reproductive health. And so I know that it changed my life. I've never met a woman. I've never had a friend that hasn't had to go through this unfortunate thing called an abortion. It's a scarlet letter that we will forever wear. I don't think we need people out here um, reminding us, right, you were there, you remember. I don't want to give out details of my personal abortion because the building's probably still there. These people deserve privacy. They deserve some type of peace in this chaos that they're having to face alone. And so if I ever, I said, if I ever wrote a book, I'd probably go into deeper detail, but as of now, I'll just say that it felt refreshing to speak to women who I didn't know I just struck up a conversation with them. And they were willing to reveal to me that they actually had done. I'm not just talking about Black women. I'm talking about white women too. You know, people that have just had to make decisions for the betterment of their life, for the trajectory of their life, or their parents made a decision, or they, spouses made a decision to do this. And um, I don't think people should be ashamed to speak about that anymore. And I don't think people should feel like they can't talk about it to anyone, anybody. And I became real big on minding my business. And I think that other people should do the same. So like I said, if I ever write a book called The Ugly Girl, um, which going through this process, I'm actually writing more than I'm talking. um, I would definitely probably go more into detail about that and share my experience So, um, as I get ready to close out episode three, I want to make sure that people, first of all, are contacting uh, mental health places if you need help with your mental health. Um, And if you need other help, uh, you can Google all the information and get what you need. Um, yeah, and I really hate to kind of end on a sad note, so we won't. <laughs> but Like I said, um, as we move through, I'm going to literally drop you off at my college years because that's kind of where we stop talking about Joy, your host, and we start going into the said social matters that I promised we would get into. And so with that being said, make sure to still check out the BowerySocialClub.com. From fashion designer and founder Theo, if you want to be the cast meow, make sure to check out the Queer Film Guide by Kyle Turner with 100 Great Movies that tell the LGBTQIA plus stories. And also, I know if you're like me, you're working out every day and you are looking for a healthier way to eat. So check out E5 Culinary Services and Chef Kahim at E5 Culinary to eat healthy. And he can definitely give you any amazing meal preps designed just for you. So as I wind down this episode of the Ugly Girl podcast, please make sure to tune in August 18th as we peel back a few more layers and I'll get you all to that front college door as promised. Make sure to go to my social media, Ugly Girl two four seven nine. Make sure to listen right here on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, CastBox, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and Radio Public. And this has been your host, Joy Holmes. Remember to also email me at uglygirl2479 at gmail.com if you want me to discuss any other topics. And tune in August 18th for hopefully the final episode of Peeling Back layers okay you guys be good and i will see you next time